Hello there! My name is Chloe Tonis, and welcome to this week's episode of Bite-Sized Cybercrime, the podcast where I give you comprehensive information on complicated cybersecurity cases. I'm fighting a bit of a cold as I'm recording, as it is the cold season, so my apologies if I sound a bit scratchy or congested this week, but we have a big story that's been unfolding for some time now, and I just had to cover it. Today, we're talking about Optus, and no, this is not new news, but we have had some interesting updates in the past few weeks, and really the story's been building over quite some time. But if you're not in the know, last month, Optus disclosed that they had been a victim of a cyber attack in which unauthorized access to customer information occurred. I know some of my listeners are Australian, but if you are not and have not heard of them, Optus is the second largest wireless carrier in Australia. For my fellow Americans, this would be like if T-Mobile had a data breach. And as a T-Mobile user, I would lose my mind if that happened, and the train conductor who always says that my ticket never loads because I have T-Mobile would probably be extra smug. Optus does not wish to disclose how this cyber attack happened and has released their own timeline of events on their website, which I will be discussing. But we're also going to be discussing some theories about what did happen before Optus eventually gets around to telling us. The theories I will be discussing have not been officially confirmed as of October 8th, 2022, the day I am recording this, but they are widely accepted by the cybersecurity community as a whole. First, we need to go back, though. Back to September 22nd, 2022, when Optus first announced they'd been hit by a cyber attack, and they claimed to have immediately shut down the attack as soon as it was caught, although they did not clarify what day this attack occurred. No services were affected by this attack, but it was clear that data had been accessed. Data belonging to customers had been posted by a hacker simply going by Optus Data. Very creative name there. Optus referred customers to look at sources to protect against identity fraud and said that they would be contacting customers at a heightened risk, but clarified no email messages or texts with links in them would be sent. This breach would be pretty low-hanging fruit for a phishing campaign, so this warning should, of course, be taken seriously. Two days later, Optus began contacting people and announced that no passwords or financial information were compromised. However, that doesn't mean customers are out of the woods entirely. Credit card fraud is always a risk, but just because no financial data was accessed doesn't mean people are in the clear yet. As in another two days, Optus would send a text message, not with a link in it, mind you, to customers who had driver's license or passport numbers accessed in the data breach. Both a driver's license and a passport are considered identifying documents and could be possibly used to commit identity fraud, but this would still not be the end of it. In yet another two days, Optus announced that of the 9.8 million customer records exposed, 14,900 valid Medicare ID numbers and another 22,000 expired Medicare ID numbers were accessed. Medicare details cannot be accessed using just this number, but they can be if you have more information. Medicare is Australia's universal healthcare insurance system. You can enroll if you're a citizen in Australia or New Zealand or a permanent resident of Australia. I believe some other restrictions apply that I don't understand because I did not spend an extensive period of time researching the Australian healthcare system apply, but either way, that's not the point. As far as I can tell, in Australia, your Medicare number is similar to a form of ID, and if a cybercriminal wants to access your medical information, they will need other information along with it, such as your full name and date of birth. This is a bit of a hurdle, but, well, that information is already public record. So, even though this wasn't necessarily a healthcare industry-related breach, there is a risk of personal health information being exposed in the future. 
In total, 2.1 million customers had personal information leaked. And yes, earlier I did cite 9.8 million records, but not all the records contained personal information, and many of the records were just multiple forms of ID for the same people. So it's a lot less than it sounded like there. Still, 2.1 million people is not a small figure to scoff at, and what makes this worse, if it was not already bad, is that this information did not only belong to current customers, but also customers who had since switched carriers and no longer use Optus. This is concerning, but by the Telecommunications Interception and Access Act of 1979, they are obligated to hold on to some personal customer information for some period of time. It is likely that former customers from as recently as 2017 were potentially compromised. One silver lining relating to the Australian legal system is that this data breach is likely going to change some laws about cybersecurity in Australia. On Thursday, October 6th, the Australian government announced changes to the telecommunications law to protect vulnerable customers after personal details were stolen in cyber attacks. The changes would basically allow Optus and other providers to better coordinate with financial institutions and governments to detect and mitigate the risk of cyber incidents, fraud, scams, and other malicious things that come from cyber attacks. From my understanding, this is just going to better protect consumers from crimes like identity fraud and credit card fraud. This doesn't mean it'll do very much to prevent actual data breaches from occurring, but still, it's very important to protect the consumers. That is the most important part of mitigating cybercrime. So, how did this happen? We don't know for sure, as, as I said earlier, Optus does not wish to disclose this information, but there are a few theories I said I would discuss. One theory comes from the actual hacker themselves, who, well, should know how Optus was hacked because that is what they did. Either way, the theory goes that an API, a software interface that allows systems to exchange data, that was used for a customer identity database was opened to a test network that just so happened to have internet access. And let me tell you, if something is on the internet, it can be hacked. And if this is true, the test network should have been cut off from the internet and stayed on an internal source, or a firewall should have blocked any incoming traffic from the internet going to this network. Optus Data told a reporter that they had indeed downloaded the stolen data through an unsecure API. They claimed to have used a script, a simple code that automates tasks, to ask the database for records one by one. And according to Optus Data, no username, password, or any kind of authentication was required to do this. They just kind of did it. The hacker cited that there were very poor access controls, and I actually disagree. There were no access controls at all. This kind of API should not be accessible to anyone without authorization, and it would be embarrassing if a simple lack of a password is what ended up exposing all this customer data. Optus, of course, declined to comment on this theory, and said that it was a matter of legal proceedings and would be discussed later. An insider at Optus reported human error is the cause for this, which is really vague, but likely implies phishing of some sort. Phishing is a classic method of cyber attack that is simply manipulation or tricking people into allowing you access usually by somehow getting a hold of credentials. However, an unsecure API is also definitely human error. Optus also declined to comment on this theory, insisting that they are very, very secure and this was a super sophisticated attack that breached the data. All right. If the API theory is true, which I believe it to be true for now, this is a preventable mistake and it was a grave one. The network the API was on should not have been accessible from the internet, and if it had to be accessible from the internet, it should have required some sort of authentication to access the data. Even just single factor would have been better than nothing at this point. 
If the entire thing was just one big test, it shouldn't have even been using real customer data, and should have been using test data. We still don't know all the information about this attack yet, and that will slowly begin to unfold for us over the next few weeks, so keep your eyes on the news. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite-Sized Cybercrime. I would like to thank Optus for being transparent about this issue and offering support for customers impacted, as well as the Hacker News, Bank Info Security, and ABC Australia for information regarding this crime, especially involving the theory about the unsecure API. I would also like to give a very special shout-out to my father, Doug Tonus. This episode is releasing on his birthday, and he has helped my podcast grow so much by sharing it with his friends and his Twitter followers. Thank you, Dad, and happy birthday. If you like podcasts and you like the Chicago Bulls, he has a podcast about the Chicago Bulls. Go check out Doug underscore Tonus on Twitter to see information about his podcast, The Big Red Bus, that he hosts with C Red Fred. And tell him happy birthday. And for my Australian listeners, please be vigilant, take any communications you have received from Optus seriously, but also be very wary of scammers. Don't click on any links, even if you are afraid. Reacting fearfully and impulsively is more likely to get you scammed than to help you. For real information, go to optus.com.au slash support slash cyber attack for information and resources on what you should do if you are affected. And please, stay secure.